0: So who here uh, ever has or have you ever experienced a moment in life where all of a sudden you get like this surge of excitement run through your body like there's a holiday coming or there is a meal approaching that's a good one for me Um, and all of a sudden you're just like oh my gosh I'm so excited Uh, for no reason at all but I'm excited anybody ever experienced that give me a wave Totally. Jordan says every day. That's probably me every f- once an hour. But that's what happened. Yesterday, I'm in the kitchen. And for no reason, I just was so excited. Uh, and I'm absolutely convinced that God is good. And I was literally in the kitchen and I was preparing something. And I'm like, oh, God, you're so good. Wow, you should be more excited if you agree with me. It's like, it's like God is like, yeah, is there? And there's no catch. God is good. Who agrees that God is good? Totally. We know in the Bible, it says in Romans, that God works all things for good because He's good. There is no hiding the character of God. I love in Psalms 84, 11, it talks about that God won't withhold good from the uprighteous, from those that are standing in righteousness and pursuing God's will. He won't withhold. Now the catch there is that it has to be God's will. But the other alternative to that is the fact that God is good. So if He is good, His will is good. And that's what you want. Because God is good. I am absolutely convinced and cannot be swayed in any way, shape or form that God is not good. But what should happen is you should constantly, as you reflect on the goodness of God, have the kitchen experience. Something should come into you There should be a surge that runs through your body and you go, oh man, God is good. God is so good. I remember this week I'm in my office and uh, we had my in-laws staying with us and I got a text from my father-in-law saying, hey, where is the battery for the blower? In that moment, I knew he was mowing the lawns and I was like, God is good. (laughs) Because I knew that he was mowing the lawn. But you know what that was a great thing that was happening for me but you know what i recognized is that you know what it's just because of the favor of god he's so good to me it says in the scripture in first 1 chronicles 1634 they're having their kitchen moment and they say oh give thanks to the lord for he is good for his mercies endure forever God is good. I trust in Him. I trust in His goodness. I trust in His guidance His guidance, because He is good. So if God is good, I want what He wants. But to be honest, not all the time because often I want what I want. Has anybody ever had that experience? God, you're so good. God, you're so good. So why did you say no? No is a hard thing to take a hold of. I don't know about you. As a child, I didn't cope very well with a no. In fact, my mum's here today. You know that she used to sneak out to the shops and not take me. Because she got so sick of saying no to me that they would abandon me every Saturday. They would leave, they would sneak out. I would be seeking for them not to find them. Lost and alone and lonely. But i burnt my mother out from the no. So would you believe that my children are often the same? Standard, amen. See, that is agreement. I think about it, I think, well, if God is good, I know that his wisdom is greater, then is his no a good thing? I struggle to receive the no. No's are hard. Oh, I remember being in my graduate year and I had I had all of these interviews and I really wanted to work at the St. John of God Hospital. Now, the primary reason was this. It was the closest and April was pregnant and I was like, what the heck is about to happen in my life? I need to be as close as I can to home. So I go, I interview well. And I get the phone call. I wonder if you've ever had this. And during the phone call, they go, we are hiring five people and you have come in at number six. And I remember going, hold it together, be professional, but I could feel the ugly face coming, you know, the pre-cry ugly face. I'm like, oh, no. And I couldn't help myself. I cried during the phone call and uh, hung up the phone. I remember in that moment, I said, Father, which was a great attitude. It must have been God moving because I ended up getting the job there. And I said, God, I trust that you have the right job for me and our family. But in that moment, when you think about it, receiving a no, it hurts. I was a little bit embarrassed. I was a little bit disappointed. I couldn't understand. Have you ever received a no and been in that place? No is hard. Because if a no has been given, it means that there was a request that has been rejected. Whether that is your child asking for another item and you say no. Whether it's a builder applying to the council to say, can I build this? And they say no. Whether it's that young person trying to build up enough courage to to ask, you know, a young guy asking this young girl on a date and she says no. It can be disappointing, it can be embarrassing, it can be awkward. I haven't always responded to the no well. I've been angry. I've been offended. But I come back to the premise of if God is good, then I should trust when he says no. I should trust. We are often in the place where, at least in my life, I'm finding that the emerging generation is so good with technology. So I will need assistance and my kids will get fed up trying to educate me and they'll say, just let me do it. I say, no, I want to do it my way. I'm going to do it my way because my way is the way I want to do it. We all in some way, shape and form may feel that way and may have to deal with that concept in our life. I want to do it my way and I feel rejected because the request that I had put forward was for me, with my best opinion, I'm trying to serve God, my heart is pure, Uh, I feel like it's the right thing to do but yet I deal and I struggle so hard with a no. No. Pastor Greg, who's away ministering this week, always repeats to me and always says to me, what you say no to will define what you can say yes to. So the no's are just as important. So with my earthly wisdom, when I receive a no, I'm disappointed, but yet I probably should be grateful because God's no comes from infinite wisdom. And his overarching plan so I should be grateful when I receive a no I remember just before the interest rates went up April and I were considering for the first time in our lives do we try and do an investment property but I felt pretty clear in my spirit a no from God I'm grateful now and I pray for those people that may be struggling in this moment No may be a repercussion of action as God matures you. No may be a redirection as God guides you. And no may actually be a relief that you don't know yet. You know, I look at uh, Genesis, which I won't lean into today, but Genesis chapter 20, uh, there is a king and his name is Abimelech and he takes in Sarah to be his wife. But Sarah's married to Abraham, but he's not aware. And he goes to God and says, hey, I was never able to, like, don't kill me. Um, I haven't done anything to her and God says I know I kept you from her so that you wouldn't sin against me isn't it funny sometimes God's no actually serves as protection thank you God for that no but yet in the moment we can't see it and there is some incredibly deep things that people receive a no to. And I don't have the answers to those questions today. My prayer is that I'm able to guide you from principles out of Scripture that helps you walk closer to God. But I don't know the answer why people seek God wholeheartedly and yet some significant things in their life are not taken away. I don't have the answer, but we'll look at it together today. But I know this. God's nature is good. He wants what's best for us. So his no isn't that bad. It's not that bad. So let's go through some scripture this morning. And I want to look at a couple of different examples of where there's been a no given and the processes that went on. But before I go there, we need to think about God and who he is. We know he's good. And we know that his ways are higher. Let's quickly look at Isaiah 55, 7 to 9. And it says this, Let the wicked forsake their ways and the unrighteous their thoughts. Let them turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on them. And to our God, for he will freely pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As far as the heavens are from the earth... So are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. I love this scripture. Because clearly God is saying very simply, I don't think the way you think. When you look at the context of this scripture, it's saying, you know what, those that have been wicked and unrighteous, if they come to me, I will forgive them. Who thinks that way? They've been harmed, they've been offended, they've been abandoned, they've disobeyed God, but yet he'll bring them in. We know that is through the work of the cross of Jesus Christ. His ways are so much higher. His forgiveness is so much greater. His mercy is so good. His ways Are not our ways. His thoughts are so much higher than our thoughts, and the apostle Paul puts it so beautifully when he considers the plan of God and the way God does things. His processes are better. He is the God, and when Paul is looking in Romans chapter eleven at God's plan both for Jews and Gentiles, he says this in Romans eleven thirty three. If you're writing notes, oh how great. Are the riches and wisdom and knowledge? Oh, how great are God's riches and wisdom and knowledge! How impossible it is for us to understand His decisions and His ways. God's ways are so much better, they're actually more calculated, they're actually better for you than the decisions you'll make for yourself. So, when we look at that, then and we struggle, the no could be a relief, the no could be a redirection, the no could be a repercussion, it doesn't matter. If it's a no from God, it's better than my yes. So here are two things we're going to look at. When you receive a no from God and it's a clear no, how do we move forward? Okay, God said no, what's it building in my life? And the second thing is when God says no, we should look at when we need to persist. We're going to look at those two things. So let's turn in our Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 12, 6-10. We get a beautiful example. It's the Apostle Paul. I'm reading out of the New Living Translation today. And um, the opening part of this I love so much. He says this, If I wanted to boast, I would be no fool in doing so because I would be telling the truth. He goes, if I want to brag, I can back it up because it's true. This is what he's saying. So what he's saying is, I know that there's a lot right going on in my life. And if I wanted to boast, I could, because it's no lies. I would be boasting, but it would be the truth. He says, But I won't do it because I don't want anyone to give me credit beyond what they can see in my life or hear in my message. Even though I have received such wonderful revelation from God, so to keep me from becoming proud, I was given a thorn in my flesh. I'm going to just start that sentence again. It says, So to keep me from becoming proud. I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan to torment me, and keep me from becoming proud. Three different times I begged the Lord to take it away. This thorn in his side. Three different times I begged the Lord to take it away. And each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So really three times God said no. So I am glad to boast about my weakness so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weakness and in its insults, hardship, persecution, and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I'm strong. So, Paul had some form of thorn in his flesh. Now, What that thorn is, um, significantly the concept there is that there is something physically or emotionally that is constantly uh, an aggravation, uh, a buzzkill, a humbler. We can speculate what that may be. There there are many different things that people think it could be. Uh, Some say that uh, Paul may have had a bodily deformity, like a bit of a hunchback. Uh, It could have been an ugly guy. Uh, in some scriptures there's evidence that he says you know you would have plucked out your eyes and given them to me so maybe the thorn could have been blindness and the social repercussions of that Uh, other people run down other other roads but the the reality of it is there was a hindrance in his world that he begged god to take away three times he actually begged god god take it away and god said no my grace is sufficient for you so what can we learn from the scripture when there's a request and a clear no? There are a few things that we can see that the no from God benefited Paul. So maybe you've got a request that's gone up to God. It, it keeps coming back as a no. This could be something that God is building in your life. In verse 7, it clearly talks about the avoidance of pride. Even though I've received such wonderful revelation from God, so to keep me from becoming proud, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan to torment me and keep me from becoming proud. Proverbs 16, 18, we all know this. It says that pride comes before destruction. You know, I ponder and I pondered this week that, Lord, if there's anything in my life that is producing pride, That is not of your will. It is not benefiting the kingdom of God. I submit it to you right now, Lord, because I want to be in right standing. I want to be submitted to your will. And I do not want my pride to come before destruction. I encourage you to do the same. Think about it. Is there something there where you're like, hey, I'm leaning into this thing for me? Have you ever received a no from God? Even with the right motive. I think about Paul for his back to be straight and his eyesight to be made better, that social issue to be taken away, could he have been more influential for the kingdom of God? I would post to you the answer may be yes, but he may have had a downfall in the future because of pride. So therefore, the no served to protect him. The more we can become like Christ, the more God can actually begin to form the right things in our life that are a catalyst for breakthrough. If God says no and it humbles you, then he's actually giving you and teaching you a life-giving quality that will produce more fruit and more evidence of his goodness in your life. No stops the development of pride, but also invites God into your situation more so that God can be glorified. You know, as I was praying I felt the Lord say to me, there could be an example of people in this room where you've been so diligent with your finances for so long, but you're not getting financial breakthrough yet. But yet what happens is by that struggle, it forces you to your knees to say, God, I need your help. And as God produces that kind of platform in your life, that God, I need you to move, what will happen is the moment that becomes a habit, I bet you there will be breakthrough that will follow. Because what's happening is if you had all the financial freedom, would you seek God as much? Would you? Because like, hey, it's done. I don't need to think about it. But what happens is by this thing not happening, it's drawing you closer to God and it's fighting against pride in your life. I think about my personal world. I was never, ever highly intelligent and everybody knows that. You've seen my slides for years now. But I used to pray, God, as I put in the work, strengthen me so that I can give you glory. I'll keep going. I'll keep striving. I'll keep working, but you strengthen me. So what was happening is I was like, Lord, could you just let me understand concepts quicker? So everybody, you know, I don't know if you're like, I was the kid in the classroom where the teacher would explain it once and then everyone would get to work and I'd be like, huh? And then what would happen is I'd try to ask questions. they think that I was being an irritant, which was also likely. And then I'd get put to the back of the room. No joke. And then I'd be back in the room by myself with no help. Not understanding, saying, God, gee, help me. Help me. But in my weakness, he did. Because I kept working. I kept praying. I kept asking. You see, when we come to God and we say, God, I need your help, the answer may be each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. Look for God's purpose. Look for the testimony. Don't worry about the thorn. Worry about God's will and his purpose. So, when no means to persist. Now, I look at scripture all the time, and there are many examples. Matthew 7 7 says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened. There are many different scriptures where it talks about continuing to persist, continuing to pray, continuing to ask. But my question that I posed to myself this week was simple How do you know when to persist and when no means no? And I think that the answer is twofold. I think the answer is sometimes it's a conviction that the Holy Spirit puts in your heart and sometimes you just don't know. So I was like, well, Lord, if they don't know, how do we, how do we persist and not get in trouble? How do we continue to do it? And I feel that in the example that we're going to turn to now, this is how to persist while still honouring God. How to continue to ask when you've been given a no, but doing it in the right way. So if you turn with me to Mark chapter 7, 24 to 30. Then Jesus left Galilee and went north to the region called Tyre. He didn't want anyone to know which house he was in, but he couldn't keep it a secret. Right away, a woman who heard about him came and fell at his feet her little girl was possessed by an evil spirit and she begged him to cast out the demon from her daughter. Since she was a Gentile born in Syrian Phoenicia, Jesus told her first I should feed the children, my own family, the Jews. It isn't right for me to take the food from the children and throw it to the dogs. She replied, that's true Lord. But even the dogs under the table are allowed to eat the scraps from the children's plate. Good answer, he said. Now go home, for the demon has left your daughter. And when she arrived home, she found her little girl lying quietly in bed, and the demon had gone from her. See, so here's the context in How Do You Keep Asking? The reply, the first, the first reply that the woman gives, she makes a request. And it's called a dog. Now, if you look at that, the Jews were like anybody outside of us, especially Gentile Samaritans, they were dogs. You know, literally, that is to look down on them. Now, what actually happens when you look at the original context there, Jesus actually softens it. He calls her a little dog. So you're an amusing annoyance. And in that moment, you could be offended. I've asked God. He's supposed to be the Lamb of God. He's supposed to love everybody. He's supposed to be amazing. He's supposed to be healing people and loving everybody. And he's talking to this woman at the well, but yet he calls me a dog. That's not what she did. I think the first thing when God gives you a nose, you need to remain humble. You know what she says? That's true. She says, I don't have an expectation for you to change where I'm at and who I am. I understand that you have positioned me where I am. And if this is where you position me, I'm okay with it. That's true. She doesn't try to be offended. She doesn't try to defend. She doesn't try to say something eloquent. He goes, yeah, absolutely, I'm a Gentile, I'm not Jewish, I know where I stand in the order of priorities right now and it's okay. That's genuine humility. That's not being offended. I I believe that that if you are truly humble, it is impossible for you to be offended. If you are humble to the point there shouldn't be anything because you're going to consider others greater than yourself. There's going to be a a production of other things going on in your world via the Holy Spirit, that if you're truly humble, a sentence or a remark like that won't faze you. There is humility. Now, I want you to remember that if God says no, stay humble. Don't get offended. Don't sulk. I know it's hard. This is a glass house. We're all in this together. But when God says no, stay humble. It's the first thing. Don't question it. Don't ask why. Don't ask what about me. Don't ask any of those questions. Just go, okay, Lord, that's what you've said. That's the door you've closed. I may not understand, but I know that you're at play. So I accept it humbly. It says, Lord, this is verse 28. Even the dogs under the table are allowed to eat the crumbs from the children's plate. So the first concept, if God says no and you want to persist, is stay humble the second thing now is focus on god's grace and his mercy she's not saying lift me out of the uh, situation i'm in she's saying i know where i am but god even the crumbs come down i'm not asking you to lift me out of where i am i'm asking and inviting would you come into it would you allow the crumbs to fall from the table and fall into my situation would you, would you please enter the situation? If the no is a no, that's fine, but could your presence of peace sit upon me? Could you be speaking to me, God, reassuring that if this is a no, that you'll show me what to do next? I'm waiting under the table, Lord. I just need crumbs. Would you enter the situation I'm in? Because there's a humble prayer. It's focused on the grace and mercy of God, but there's so much faith. Might have the band come. I only need a little scrap for my situation to be changed. I only need you, God, to show up just a little bit for there to be breakthrough. So as we ponder today, I know God is good. I know his ways are higher. I know that His plan and purpose is what I want because He knows what's best for me. So then if He says no, it's not that bad. He's got something better. Look, I I think about the concept of of this is is that God will never say no to something for something worse to happen. If God says no, it means He's working things for good. There's something better. So there are questions in life and there are struggles in life where we've received a no from God. Now, it could be that it is my grace is sufficient for you. Now, I don't understand every scenario that's here. Some people walk a journey that is so difficult. There may be health things you've brought to God and and you have not had breakthrough. There may be family things you've brought to God and you have not had breakthrough. But can I speak faith over your situation? God has you covered. I don't know what that looks like. I don't know how much more you have to endure. But Paul begged three times and the reply was, my grace is sufficient. And not only is my grace sufficient, but in that weakness, I will perfect you. My my power works best in weakness. Where you struggle, I'm gonna help you more. But sometimes when there's a no, it may not be my grace is sufficient. In the Scripture where we see this Gentile woman, the answer is actually good answer. Because she was humble. She focused on the grace and mercy of God. And she had faith. I just need a crumb. I just need a little move, God, in my situation, in my family, in my health. Just give me a crumb, God. I know that it is enough. I'm not asking you to change my world. I'm asking you to come in. Father, would you move in my life?